and welcome to Church for the Cities podcast in Yuma, Arizona with lead pastor Tyrone P. Jones. Our mission is for people to encounter the reality and presence of God. For sermon videos and next steps, visit us at ctcfamily.com. Now join us for the message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, he is. Our God is a way maker. God bless you. Uh, It is great to be in the house of the Lord this morning. We're here with a few leaders, but it's so good to be uh, in God's house. This is the day of Pentecost. And so we want to say happy birthday to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the day that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ was born. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that uh, in my message. I'm going to share a few things. I'm actually going to get real, real and real authentic uh, with you and share some things, talk about some things in the current climate and just share my heart about that. Talk a little bit about what we're experiencing through COVID-19 and what we're looking at doing as a church and certainly talk about the birth of the church with the Holy Holy Spirit. I do want to thank you for your generosity. I'm going to tell you as a church, you've been absolutely amazing. I mean, the giving has just been tremendous. Uh, we're, sh- we're sharing what Christ has given us with the lives of other people, the number of families that we've been able to help, the number of agencies that we've been able to come alongside, and the number of churches, even in our own city, uh, has been a real, a real blessing. So I thank you so much for, for doing that and just continue to give as the Lord has placed on your heart. I want to pray also for our, our campus churches. Uh, I'm in touch with, uh, with uh, each of them every other week now during this time. We do a Zoom call, and uh, Pastor Rabonda let us know that uh, now they're able to start gathering with 50 at a time there in the South Africa church, which is a real blessing because they've been shut down. So they'll just do multiple services and, and be able to meet with people in a week. Unfortunately, in, in uh, India, uh, the word still there is from Pastor Norman that they won't be able to gather till March of 2021. Uh, it's having a tremendous effect upon them. We really need to pray for God's provision and faithfulness to them uh, as a church. Uh, same in New Mexico in, with Pastor David in San Luis. Not, not as long, uh, of course, but still there. Numbers are rising there in San Luis area and uh, Mexicali area, and so they're still pretty much quarantined and locked down. Uh, we're praying also for the San Luis uh, Arizona campus. They're actually meeting still by Zoom, and we're grateful to God for those for those leaders there. And we also want to pray for Liberty uh, Baptist. That's one of our local churches and Pastor Tom. So wherever you are, just let's go before the Lord and ask God for his help and his grace. Father, I just want to thank you for the opportunity for us to gather as a people of God here in the, in the house of the Lord. People are also, uh, Lord, wherever they are. Some people might be in transit. Some people are in their homes. Some people may be on their, on their jobs. We're grateful for the technology and the ability to connect with people in our city, in our state, in our country, and around the world. And wherever people are that are engaged in what we're doing here this morning, we thank you. May the Spirit of the Lord that is very present here be very present with them. And Father, we ask that for all of our churches, Lord, for San Luis, Arizona, for CTC in Mexico, CTC India, CTC South Africa. Be with those dear men and women of God. Help them, Lord God, as they walk through this journey also. May the Spirit of God give them wisdom and give them grace. And we pray for our local churches. Lord, every pastor in this city is working through the same process uh, that we're working through here. 
what do we do? How do we do it? When do we do it? And uh, Lord, you, you have guided us and you have helped us. You are a good shepherd and we're thankful for that. But I pray for every pastor. Lord, I'm thankful for the community of pastors that we have. We talk regularly. We pray for each other. And uh, Lord, help these local churches. Particularly, we pray for Liberty Baptist and Pastor Tom. And we ask you, Lord God, to, to be with him and his congregation. Father, be with us as we bring forth the word of the Lord. We're believing, Lord, that you're going to guide us as we talk through some things and just navigate some things that's up on our heart. We pray that we speak, Lord God, with clarity. We speak with wisdom. We speak, Lord God, in a manner that the people of God can hear it, understand it, and embrace it. Above all, Lord, we're asking the Spirit to connect in the hearts of everyone who's listening. Lord, we thank you for being so good to us. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Can you say amen? Amen. God bless you. Wherever you are, you can take a seat. Hopefully, you'll pull up your Bible. I'm going to probably sit, stand, walk, run, just whatever happens uh, as we go. But uh, I just want to share with you again a, a few things that's, that's uh, on my heart and um, some things that I want to be real honest about, real authentic about, real real. It's, it's definitely a different kind of message than what I had uh, intended to do uh, for the day of Pentecost. Uh, the message that I had prepared and, and, uh, and wrote uh, just didn't seem like that that's what the Spirit of God was pressing. And so, so we're going to go with what we believe the Lord is, is uh, speaking to us uh, about. I do want you to buckle up your seatbelts. Uh, again, I'm, I'm going to just go right at what I believe is good and what is right and what is biblical and just ask you to just um, go along, hear along, write along, pray along, and uh, hopefully you can put some things in your life that's going, uh, going to help you. I, I want to begin uh, with this and, and talk about the, the current climate uh, that we're in. Uh, on, on, the, on the one hand, because of all of the recent uh, deaths uh, of, of people of, uh, of um, uh, ethnic culture of, of black, black that's occurred over the last few weeks, but I, I, want to, I want to say this first. You know, in Chicago, just over the weekend, Memorial Day weekend, there was 49 shootings. 49 people had gotten shot in Chicago last weekend. Ten of those was fatal deaths. It included a five-year-old. It included an eight-year-old. In, in that city, from January 1st to, to May 24th, there's been 200 homicides. 826 people uh, have been shot. Uh, just in these uh, five months. Predominantly, those shootings have been blacks shooting blacks. What's unfortunate about that is that oftentimes that goes unspoken. It goes unspoken by the media. Uh, it's not necessarily supported by civil rights uh, activists, uh, unnoticed by many of us that are Americans. If you don't live in that area or tune into TV in other parts of the country, you probably wouldn't know about it, but 10 families over this weekend was grieving the loss of somebody that they loved, a person that God created, someone that was valued by God. On the other hand, what has gotten national attention, and, and rightfully so, uh, is some of the most recent shootings, the one of uh, Breonna Taylor in, in uh, Louisville, March 13th. Uh, police broke into her home, said that they were serving a search warrant for drugs. 1 a.m. in the morning, she's in a bed sleep. Uh, the police break in. She wakes up startled and alarmed and gets shot eight times. 1 a.m. in the morning, 26 years old, an EMT 
who had just been honored for the work that she was doing in two Louisville hospitals during this time of the pandemic. No drugs found, of course. Come to find out, they were 10 blocks away from where they were supposed to be. But she lost, she lost her life. This week in Minneapolis, of course, making the headlines again with the, the chilling footage that many of us have seen of the African-American male, George Floyd, uh, who was choked to death by one officer. Four officers was immediately fired, and I'm sure they're looking into the rest of it. And, and with all of these cases, of course, we don't know everything and, don't, and uh, not privy to everything, but we know what we, what we see. Uh, this, comes, this one comes just two weeks after uh, the death of Ahmaud Arbery there in Georgia uh, at the hand of two vigilantes. I, I don't know anything about any of these folks' life. Uh, but what I do know is every one of them, no matter what they had done, died senselessly and needlessly. It's caused a great uproar uh, in our country, and, and I'll, I'll address that in just a moment. Uh, but I want to be real with you, and I want to be really honest. Whenever I hear people say, let's take race out of it, that, that, that bothers me. That, that's, the, that's the new virtuous signal now whenever the commentary is about these shootings, as if ethnic background has nothing to do with it. And, and, and the truth of it is, if we keep saying, let's take race out of it, then we'll never have an honest conversation if that keeps continually being the universal statement. I, I do wanna, I wanna note this. Race has been a problem from the beginning. In the Bible days, as soon as people notice that there was a difference between them, race issues began, or ethnic issues, or however you want to say it. But for this, for this teaching, I'm going to say race issues. And it will always be that way until the end of the age. And I want you to get this. There is no legislation that can stop that. There is nothing that can be done by the government that's going to stop that. That's people doing things out of their own heart. You can't fix that by legislation. But at the same time, I, I, I want to say some things uh, here. It, it would be dishonest for me, for me to say, if I didn't feel like my children uh, that are of a, a, a darker skin, if I didn't feel like that they were at risk every time they were out uh, in public. I'm not certainly saying people are chasing them down. I'm not saying any of that. But, but what, I, what I am saying is that I know for a fact that something can go haywire at any minute that didn't have any intention that can end up going the wrong direction. There's a, there's a lady, I don't know her, I know her husband. Her name is Janice Holmes. She has a five-year-old son now uh, who, who, they lived in Minneapolis when their child was born, so he was certainly talking from a personal issue. They live in Mississippi now. Their son is five years old. But I want to read you a portion of the letter she wrote for her son that he would be able to read when he was able to read, not saying he can't read it now. But this is what she said. This is only part of the letter, sorry. My fear for you, my son, is not as much as that you will be lynched like Emmett Till. Make no mistake. I will train you as I was trained to respond to authority in a way that will make you appear as non-threatening and compliant as humanly possible. And I will hope and pray that this compliance will serve as some kind of barrier against the brutality that your young black form may incur. I will watch every news story of a black man gunned down by a police with a tinge of fear, wanting so badly to trust 
that those charged with protecting our communities would not harm you without just cause, but fearing every scenario where they might, end of quote. I'm going to tell you this, uh, Janice is, is, is not alone in that thought process. Uh, there's mothers all over this country that have that same, same thought, and not necessarily just uh, African-Americans, but, but they live in a, in a constant fear. And it's, it's, it's easy to shrug that off and say that this fear is irrational if we raise our sons right to ex- respect authority. Of course we're to do that. All of us should do that, no matter what culture or ethnic that we come from. But, but I want to ask you a bigger question. E- even if your child was not a law-abiding person, should injustice against them matter? Absolutely it should. Do only the saints, only the good people get sympathy? And, and so for me, there's a few thoughts about this that I, I want to just share with you, and I want you to write these down. We should all be uncomfortable about the injustice in our country. Every one of us should be uncomfortable. For many people, facing the reality that America has a a race problem, it still makes some people uncomfortable. It's the fact. We still have a race problem, but it's not just in America. It's all over the world. And I told you that, that this has been from the beginning. And it's not just racial problems against African-Americans. Of course, I'm saying that from the standpoint that I live, but I know it for a fact because I've traveled all over, all over the world. But, but we should all be uncomfortable about the injustice that happens uh, in our country. And, and at the same time, I, I want to tell you this, there, there, there's a part of us that sometimes dismisses things because either who the person was or, or want to be more rational about what could have happened. I'm going to tell you right now, that's a poor substitute for love. That's a poor substitute for love. The second thing about that is this. It is godly to get angry. It is godly to get angry. Now, let me tell you, I'm very much aware of all the references in Scripture that call us to repent of sinful expressions of anger. I don't know anybody on the planet that has to do that more, more than me. Uh, so I know what the Bible, Bible says about that. But there is another kind of anger, a righteous anger against sin and evil that's rooted in love. That's where you find it, a righteous anger, a just anger that's rooted in love. And sometimes I think that Christians have the virtue that we're, we're to look at everything from a loving scope, that we forget about the fact that our God gets angry and does not sin. He gets angry and doesn't sin, and we're called to be just like him. I, I want you to hear this. God hates injustice. God hates racism. God hates oppression. God hates abuse. God hates a corru- corruption. And so should we. So should we. Here's what Romans 12, 9 says. Listen to this. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil. I, I think it's ungodly to be apathetic. I think it's unloving for us to see some of these things and not have a righteous anger about it. Just mere sympath- sympathy doesn't work. I'm in here to tell you now, if I found out that one of my children were molested, I would be filled with intense, intense grief, and I would be filled with anger. But, but, but with a righteous response, there's a manner in which that can be done, and it's carried out throughout the Scriptures. It would be a lack of love if one of my children was hurt and brutalized in that kind of sense for me to just say, well, I just can't be angry about it. That's a lack of love. 
And, and I'm telling you, when news comes across to us of brutality against others, and we don't feel a righteous anger about it, I question the depth of our love toward mankind. We, we got to understand this. Righteous anger does not allow for riots. It doesn't allow for looting. It doesn't allow for, for reverse brutality against other people of the opposite persuasion or ethnic group. It doesn't allow us to act ungodly toward police or people of authority. Our godly anger should never mirror the culture. But at the same time, godly anger should be elicited in a response that's godly and a response that's righteous. When we see injustice, we should want to move into action in a godly way. And here's the third thing I'll say about that. We can start with prayer. We cry out for justice. We cry out for the vindication of the innocent. We cry out for those who have done unjust to be punished. That's biblical. You see it throughout the Psalms. There wasn't just prayers for the oppressed. There wasn't just prayers for those who had done wrong, but also there was prayers for those who, I'm sorry, for those who had, done, had wrong done to them, but also prayers for those who had done wrong. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 94. He says, O Lord, God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, shine forth, rise up, O judge of the earth, repay the proud for what they deserve. Listen, our callous hearts got to change. We have to see this from the eyes of God. We can always be kind to people, but at the same time, there needs to be an anger, a godly anger that's kindled up in our heart. Whenever we see racism, whenever we see injustice, whenever we see violence, whenever we see corruption, whenever we see crooked justice systems and exploitations and abuse, there ought to be an anger that's inflamed in us that calls us to contend for justice. And I'll just say this last thing about this, and I'll I'll pivot to something else. We must look to death, to the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ for the ultimate hope. That's where we got to look. I I, want to remind you of this and of the cross. In the darkest hour of history, when it looked like evil was triumphant, because oftentimes we see these things and we think evil is what's going to prevail. But I'm telling you, in the darkest time of history, when it seemed like evil was going to triumph, Christ won redemption for us. He vanquished evil. He conquered death, and he rose from the grave. And this is what I know. The cross still brings hope to people that's been mistreated. But I also know this. The cross brings hope to people who are guilty. So if you've been mistreated, it's the cross that will help you. And if you've been one that that's exercised evil, it's the same cross that can bring you the mercy that Christ wants you to have. Can you say amen? With that, that brings me to the day of Pentecost. And as I noted, I was going to preach uh, another message that I had, had prepared. And, and without going into all the details, and I was going to do this in my message, uh, day of Pentecost, uh, what we're celebrating here is something that's celebrated throughout the church world all over uh, the world uh, because it's the day that the, that the resurrected Savior, Christ our Lord, from the ascended place on high, he poured out his Holy Spirit on the earth. He poured it up on men and women that were seeking him. 
people that believed in him, people that trusted him. He, he, the re, re, uh, resurrected Lord, the one who came, the one who died, the one who was buried, the one who rose again, the one who was exalted, the one who declared himself the almighty God whose name is Jesus. He poured out the Holy Spirit upon all mankind that was seeking him. Now, let me tell you why I bring this up now, even though I wasn't going, didn't go the direction I wanted to go. If we would embrace what the Spirit of God has done, this racism stuff would be resolved. If we would embrace what the Spirit of God has done, because listen to this, the Holy Spirit was poured up on all people. There was no distinction made against anybody when the God from heaven poured out his Holy Spirit upon all flesh. Listen to what Acts 2.17 says. In the last days, says God, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Everyone, no matter what ethnic group, no matter what culture, if they sought the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they received the Spirit of God, which made us one person in Christ Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that makes us one as one person. It's every one of us that are candidates for the forgiveness of God and the love of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God. It's Titus 2.11 that says this, watch this, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Every one of us are the same from that cross. Every one of us are the same from that throne of the resurrected Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't die for some folks and not for others. He didn't pour his spirit out on some folks and not on others. He poured his spirit out upon all flesh. That's you, that's me, that's you in Mongolia, that's you in South Africa, that's you in Mexico, that's you in China, that's you in Russia. Every place the spirit of God God was poured out. Can you say amen? And because the Spirit was poured out, listen to what 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, for we were all baptized by one Spirit into the body, whether Jews or Greeks, and you can replace that, whether Mexican or black, whether Russian or, or whether Greek, or, or, or whether Chinese or whether Japanese, we're all one in Christ Jesus, whether slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. And that's the Holy Spirit of the Almighty God. Can you say amen? Here's one of my favorite verses uh, in the Bible, and I'm doing this out of the, the passion and love, love the language of it. Ephesians 2, 14 through 15. Listen, 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 hear this whoever you are and wherever you are that has distinctions among people. I want you to hear this. Ephesians 2, 14 and 15 says, our reconciling peace is Jesus. He has made us one in Christ. By dying as our sacrifice, he's broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal through our union with Christ. Ethical hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. He has made peace between us, starting over, forming one race of humanity fused together. Can you say amen? Every one of us have been brought together by the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Can you say amen? And so, church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we got to be the difference makers. We got to be the ones that have a right, 
a righteous anger, rise up for those in any unjust causes, and yet be the ones leading the way, loving people, endearing people, breaking down those barriers and those, and those uh, distinctions that may be seen against people. We are the ones that lead the way, and we lead it because the cross and the Spirit of God has done the same for us. Can you say amen? Now, let me just uh, pivot again. And those of you that are watching, you, watching me for the first time, I usually do stay more jointed together. I know I'm pivoting in a few places, but I, I, I want you to follow me on this next thought. Because also, we're at the same time in our current c- climate, we're dealing with COVID, COVID-19. And, and I want to talk about that and the, and the body of believers and, and what I believe that says to us now. I, I'm grateful for everything that's been uh, given to us, uh, the government's help in helping people through some financial crises and situation, all of the instructions we've been given from scientists and, and experts and et cetera, and, and thank God many people are, are, are following that. Right now in, in the city that I, I live in, in New Arizona, we're seeing numbers go up a little higher. There's, there might be some legitimate reasons for that, more testing, uh, et cetera, and we've, we've had to make a whole lot of adjustments. The reason you, you, you're, you're seeing us from your home and not in the building is because of what's going on with COVID-19. And, and of course, wherever you are, it's affected you all over, all over the world. There's only a few countries that I think have not been uh, affected. Uh, but the numbers are rising. And yet at the same time, there's been some things lifted, some restrictions lifted. People are, are having a little bit more uh, freedoms, if we could say. We know for sure there will never be going back to normal, but, but there's a better normal, and I've told you about that, and we're still looking and believing and trusting for that better normal. But some things, people are able to do some things like they did before. Some businesses are, are, are opening up. At the same time, we know that there's some challenges that we might face uh, here in our local community. I've been in contact with uh, staff from our hospital. There's our COVID staff there now that have, I believe at this time, 60 people hospitalized. They're not able to leave once they get there on their shifts. And I'm working with, the, with those folks to see if we can be a blessing to their families. We want to, because they're sacrificing just as much by their, by their uh, family members being there, they're working. And we'll continue to do whatever we can. In the midst of all of this, the, the other effect that's been taking place is this uptick of abuses and this uptick of abortions and domestic violence and ODs and porn usage and emotional despair, depression, and anxiety to its full effect. And I'm telling you, uh, there's more that's, that's going to come. And, and I'm telling you what I believe it's time to do. I believe it's time for people to be able to reenter the church. I believe it's time for people to determine for their own self what's good and what's right. But there's something about gathering together as a body of people that brings some good stuff to the body of Christ. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you, as a pastor, this has been one of the hardest things pastorally for me ever to work through. I mean the most difficult thing. Not in the sense of how I'm doing, not in the sense uh, of my family. God, thank God for a, a lovely uh, bunch of children, a, a, an amazing wife. But I'm talking about in making decisions. We've had to pivot uh, so many times. We've, we've had to call some audibles. We've had to and then pivot, pivot uh, again. Uh, Pastor Norman uh, from this house that's there in India, as we were on our call on uh, uh, two day, three days ago, he, he lifted up a prayer for us pastors that was on the, the Zoom, and he, he prayed something that I had never thought about. He said, Lord, we've never pastored through a pandemic before. We need your help. 
And listen, I'm telling you, it has been one of those things that we've had to, to work through. But I also feel just as wrong. It's just as wrong if people can be allowed to go to other places and for some reason or another, we don't open up the doors of the church and allow them to come into the house of God. There's, there's a couple of truths uh, for me that I want to communicate with you. First of all is this. I believe people are smarter than the government says that they are. I believe people got enough sense to know whether they're able to come or whether they're not. I believe people got enough sense to know if they're not feeling well, then don't, then don't come. I also believe people got enough sense enough to police themselves. If they want to come wearing a mask, fine. We'll have sanitation stations all over the building. Uh, the place will be totally sanitized. We know some things that we won't just engage with folks. We're not going to try to put you in a position where you got to hug us. Or, and most of y'all know that I'm a kisser. I kiss men and women. I won't make you kiss me. I won't do any, any of that. We, we won't put you in any kind of bad situations. The doors will be open. You can come in. But I just believe you know what's good and right and wise for you. But if we want people to get healthy, and, and deal with some of the things that we know people are going to be dealing with emotionally and mentally, there's no better place to do it than the house of God. There's no place to do it better than with the community of believers. And so we're not mandating anything. As a matter of fact, when you do re-enter, we're gonna, we're, you can bring your children into the sanctuary. For some, we won't have kids' classes, but when you do come in, you can bring your children into the sanctuary. For some reason or other, if you think they can't stay in, then we're going to have rooms for family worship, where everything that's being live-streamed in the sanctuary will also be live-streamed in the family worship rooms. So you and your child can go in the family worship room, still experience the community, still be with other people, not be concerned about your child disturbing the service or disrupting things or you feeling like you're having a hard time to keep your child uh, behaved. But what I, I, what I do want to tell you, we're not mandating anything. You do as you, you believe is best for your family. There's no judgment on us. Here's the second thing, though, that I do know. And this is probably where I've landed, where I've landed on my decision. I know what Jesus said to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said these words. You can be sure of this. I'm with you and I will be with you to the end of the age. I think we have to trust that God is with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We haven't shut down. We've never stopped being the church. We've continued to move forward. We've continued to do things. You, you're gathering where you are now. We're still engaging. People are still getting saved. We got people lined up to be baptized uh, when we re-enter the building. We're looking forward to all that. And at the same time, though, nothing can take the place of the gathered body of believers. And, and I want to tell you something. There, 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 let me t people may ask the question, what's so special about the church? What's so special about the church? Well, let, let, me, let me just say this, and I know that all of you have had different approaches during the time of, of quarantine. Uh, I, I like what I read from, from one lady. People have been engaging in church in different manners and, uh, you know, some people are watching it in bed. Some people are just on the couch. People are in their PJs. People are watching uh, while they're doing their lunch or, the, I mean, their breakfast or their, or their brunch. And, and I get that. Uh, I, I get it. For me as a pastor, though, there's still that sense that Sunday morning is the day, man, that I go to the meeting. And, and in the old days, my, my grandfather used to say, you need to get on your go-to-a-meeting clothes, meaning put on your best. We're getting ready to go to the house of the Lord. I read one lady, and I was very surprised when she said this. She said, throughout the pandemic, I've refused to wear my pajamas to watch my church's live stream. Every week, I get dressed in my usual Sunday best. 
I fix my hair. I even put on makeup. I don't do this out of vanity or Phariseeism, I don't think, but out of a desire to set apart the activity of worship. She said this, it just feels like more like church when I'm standing there worshiping in a dress in the house of the Lord. And listen, I love that mindset, more so that whole attitude that I'm still going to church. I'm just waiting for the time for us to gather back together. And yes, we've been doing Zooms uh, by small, uh, doing small groups by Zoom. We've been doing Grow uh, so that you can uh, understand what our church is all about uh, by Zoom. Some of our small groups are meeting live. All of those things will keep going. Even when we gather back together live, people will still be able to connect with us from all over the world through, through Zoom and through our live stream, which will be continuing on. But I, I believe it's time for us to start thinking, regather as a local church. That's what we're designed to do. That's what we, it's called, we're called to do. And I believe it's worth it. I believe it's worth it. Now, I want you to hear this. I know for every one of us, or we should, that God calls us to three phases of our worship. He calls us to a private worship, what most of us, we, we call our personal devotions. And every believer should be doing that. He also calls us to family worship. We'll be doing that when you come, when you re-enter into the building, but we also do that with our families, family devotions. But the Lord also calls us to public worship. That's the gathered body. That's the local church. And I'm going to tell you something, not one of those should supersede the other. Every one of those is important. And I know he puts a big emphasis on gathering together in the local church. Let me read this passage to you now. I'll just wrap up with a few, few thoughts. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says this, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. I, I want to pause there for just a moment because I, I know some people that, that what you're going through right now, it seems like all hope is lost. For, for some people that have maybe lost their job through this, some small businesses have had to shut down. Even with all the help, you don't know if you're going to recover. I, I want you to hear the word of the Lord. When we go through those times, I want to encourage you, you hold on to your hope. Because hear me, dear sir, hear me, dear lady, your hope never was in your business. Your hope never was in your money. Your hope never was in your family. Your hope never was in what you drove. Your hope, honestly, never was in your health. Your hope should have always been in the salvation that we receive from the Lord Jesus Christ. And we hold on to that hope. And that hope is the hope of glory living in us that tells us that same Jesus that died on the cross for us, that poured out his spirit upon us, is the same Jesus that's kept all of his promises even up to now and there's one more he gonna keep he's coming back for every one of us who call upon the name of the name of Jesus so you hold on to your hope without wavering since he who is promised is faithful and let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works not neglecting to gather together you hear that let us not neglect the habit of gathering together as some are doing but encourage each other all the more as you see the day approaching can you say amen all the more as we see the day approaching I love this out of the the passion it says this listen this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other do you hear that we need each 
other. We're designed to be in community. We're not designed to live alone. We're not designed to live a life of quarantine and sequester. We're not designed to live a life of social distancing. We're not designed for that. I get it, you do it when you gotta do it. But hear me, when you can come back to the house of God, get yourself back to the house of God. We're designed to be together. In fact, we should come together even more frequently. And I don't want the, the old Pentecostals to hear that. They'll have us back in church every night. But it says we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each day, urging one another onward as we participate in the first day of his dawning. Church is important. It's important for us to gather together. I'm going to just close with these few thoughts and you're going to hear the, the team come. Let me, let me tell you why this is important. The Lord is more glorified by public worship than private. He's more glorified with public worship than he is in private. Now, don't, don't misunderstand this. When we come before the Lord privately on our own in our private devotions, of course we can have a real intimacy with God. You can find that intimacy in your homes and various places when you do that. But you know what Proverbs 14, 28 says? It says this, in a multitude of people is the glory of a king. It's no different for the King Jesus. In a multitude of people, it's the same with our God. When we come together and proclaim us a visible people, a visible church, come together and celebrate our King, it makes a loud declaration to the Lord. There's a witness to people all over the planet. We can sing hymns in our room, and, and most of us do, I hope. We can do things that we do in our private devotion, but that's secret and hidden. How about when we gather together and in an overflowing building or a building with people, multitude of people crying out to God, unbelieving neighbors, they see the sincerity of our heart. And it stands as a testimony as us together that Jesus is Lord. But not only that, we're declaring to the world, come and see what God is doing for us in the midst of a people. So I want you to know the Lord is more glorified in public worship than he is in private. The second thing is this, there is more of the Lord's presence in public worship than it is in private. I, I know that to be biblically. Yes, again, you can always experience the presence of God, the intimacy of him when, when you're by yourself. But don't you think there's a reason that Jesus said, when two or three are gathered in my midst, in my name, I'm there in the midst? There's a reason he said for us to, to come together. And I'm telling you something, there's some things that happen when the church comes together that doesn't happen when you're, when you're on your own. When, whenever the church comes together, you got appointed people, pastors and teachers and elders that can equip you in the Word of God. That's biblical. That ain't Tyrone P. Jones doctrine. That's Bible doctrine. When we come together, the gifts and the graces that God has given each one of us we bring those together when we come together we come together as God's family just like Matthew 12 tells us to it's in that place that we can commune together we take the Lord's Supper together we celebrate baptisms together you can't do that when you're by yourself and only in the church the corporate body does the Spirit of the Lord bring his presence in the fullness there's a reason why he calls us to come together and here's the here's the last thing Public worship is more edifying than private. And let me, let me tell you why. When, when, when I'm in my vehicle, you, you know what I listen to? I listen to the songs I want to sing. I listen to what I want to play. A matter of fact, if I'm searching for somebody to, to, to bring me a message, I search for somebody that I want to hear. In other words, I'm doing everything I'm doing for me. But when we come together as a church, what I do in private 
I leave that alone and I come to gather with the others in the body because you know why? When I'm by myself, I edify myself. But when I come together, I'm building everybody else up. It's, it's not a solitary thing. When I come together in this, in this building, corporately together, it's now my voice that's actually adding to the, oh yeah, it's adding to the worship team. It's making everybody sound better. It's my voice that comes together. When I'm here in the building praying with people, I'm not just praying what's on my prayer list. I'm praying for other people and the concerns that they have. When my Christians and brothers come together and the word is preached, it's a message not that I just ran to because I wanted something to tickle my ears. It's a message that the Holy Spirit wants me to hear that I might not have looked for except the Spirit did it. I'm here to tell you, public worship is more edifying than private. And so I want you, I want to close with this. In the gathering of the church body, when we gather together in the local church, Christ is more glorified. We experience him best. And it's a great witness to the world that there's a body of people. I'm looking at it even in this building right now, just with the few leaders of here, of different ethnic groups, of different cultures that come together as one and raise their voice to the one King, Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now I wanna close out with this and I wanna, I wanna pray for you. And I, and I told you, I'm, I'm gonna hit different topics I spoke from my heart. I, I, I honestly don't know how to do this any better than what I just did right now. If you want to know how real Tyrone is, I was as real as I can be about the things that's on my heart, but I want to pray for you. And, and I, I've tackled a few things, but, but I want you to hear this, and I'm just going to give a simple prayer. Some, some of you out there might be dealing with some of the un, injustices that's occurred. Somebody here might be watching this that was on the other end of that, or a family member was on the other end of that. I want you to know Jesus cares. He cares. And, and I, I, I can't touch you. I can't hug you. I, I may not even know your name, but I'm, I'm, I know I care. And I know there's a host of people that surround me right now. We care. And we're going to pray for the injustice that you might be dealing with right now, the pain of that. Some, some of you that are watching, you might be fearful. You, you might be concerned. You might be concerned about what's happening with COVID. You might be right now in a place where you don't know which direction to go, what to do. Should I, should I go to the church? Should I go to the store? Should I do this? I, I, wanna, I wanna pray for you that you just find your hope in the victorious King. Christ Jesus, our Lord, will give you direction. And I, I, want, I want you to hear this last one. You might be someone that's been in the same position that I've been, guilty of my own sin guilty of injustices towards others, guilty of wrong, guilty of expressing evil. Can, can you listen to this? Jesus still loves you. He died on the cross for you. And that spirit that I talked about, that spirit can be poured out on you. Jesus Christ loves you. You're not too far, sir. Ma'am, you're not too far gone. Listen, teenager, you haven't done anything. I know your parents may not know about it. Maybe, uh, maybe her parents don't know about it. Maybe his parents don't know about it. Maybe your siblings don't know about it. But I'm telling you, the Lord who does know about it, he still loves you. And even right where you are, he will save you right where you are. I'm telling you, the mercy of God, the grace of God, and the hope of God is available to every one of us. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, as we close out this time, uh, this morning, I'm, I'm asking you indeed to, to be there for the one, the person who has suffered an injustice, some pain, Lord God, that they're walking through right now, some things, Lord God, that is just have overwhelmed them. Maybe they were on the other end of an injustice or maybe as a family member, but their heart hurts. 
their heart aches. Lord, it's, it's a pain that doesn't, it's worse than a toothache. It just won't go away and it makes their whole body hurt. Father, I'm praying for that person right now. Lord, that you will heal their heart, that you would come alongside them, that you would be a comfort to them. Lord, that you would minister to them, that your love, Lord God, will come and speak to them. Lord, I'm trusting and I'm believing that you'll do it. Father, for that one that's afraid, the one that's dealing with hopelessness, the one that's concerned about what's going to happen next, come Holy Spirit. As they call upon your name, let the hope of glory enter their life. And Father, for the one right now that's crying out your name, hear this, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Father, I pray for anyone right now that's saying, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, have mercy on me. Lord, as they cry those words through their lips, I'm praying right now that they would experience an overwhelming flood of your forgiving grace. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, can you say amen? God bless you.